This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Russia pressed on with its offensive in several areas of Ukraine, having bombarded it with unusual severity over the weekend. Russian forces pounded Nikopol, a city near Zaporizhia, and fired cruise missiles into Odessa. Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, warned that Russia may try to do something particularly ugly, ahead of Ukrainian Independence Day on Wednesday. In Russia, police opened a murder investigation into a suspected car bomb attack that killed the daughter of Alexander Dugin, a Russian ultranationalist ideologue. China's central bank slashed key lending rates in an attempt to revive the beleaguered property sector and reignite the economy. The five-year loan prime rate, the benchmark for mortgages, was cut by 0.15 percentage points to 4.3%, in step with an identical reduction in May. On Friday, officials had announced additional financing to prop up the real estate sector. President Joe Biden spoke with heads of government from Britain, France and Germany about reviving a nuclear deal with Iran. The four Western leaders discussed ways to deter and constrain Iran's destabilizing regional activities. They also spoke about the war in Ukraine and the importance of protecting the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, the site of intense shelling in recent weeks. Pakistan charged Imran Khan, the former prime minister ousted in April, with crimes under an anti-terrorism act. On Saturday, he had addressed supporters at a rally, denouncing police and judges for jailing and torturing his colleagues. On Sunday, he was accused of incitement against the state. He was banned from television and, Mr Khan complained, YouTube was blocked to censor him. Cineworld, the world's second-largest cinema chain, said it was considering filing for bankruptcy in America. The British business, which also owns Regal Cinemas in America, said that a shortage of blockbuster films and the popularity of online streaming had threatened its recovery from the pandemic, which saw its debts soar. The company had a market value of just £56 million, equivalent to $66 million, at Friday's close. Heatwaves and a drought punishing southwestern China prompted authorities to extend restrictions on the use of industrial power into this week, according to Kaixin, a financial news service. Temperatures across the country have driven up consumer demand for electricity, while drying reservoirs in mountainous Sichuan province have aggravated a crunch on hydropower. Output in Sichuan and Chongqing have been hampered for weeks. NSO an Israeli company that sells hacking software to governments, announced that its CEO, Shalev Julio, would be stepping down as part of a reorganization process. NSO's Pegasus spyware, although supposedly only sold to trusted governments, has allegedly been misused to keep tabs on politicians, journalists and campaigners. NSO is fighting several lawsuits, but has denied any wrongdoing. And fact of the day, $16 billion. Amazon's expected spending on media content this year. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. America and South Korea back in full battle rattle. On Monday, 
America and South Korea will begin full-scale joint military drills for the first time in five years. In 2018, Donald Trump, then America's president, had called for an end to the exercises, as he courted Kim Jong-un, North Korea's leader, who resented them. But those were different times. America and North Korea were talking to one another, and South Korea's dovish, then-president, Moon Jae-in, was keen for inter-Korean rapprochement. Reality has since set in. North Korea is back to developing weapons openly. While America and South Korea warn of, quote, strong and firm action, if need be. The drills mark a return to the status quo. They are designed to test the readiness for an attack, to reassure the South Koreans they are safe, and to dissuade the North Koreans from trying anything too bold. At the very least, expect the normal North Korean reaction, fiery words to match its enemies' live-fire exercises. Cloak and Daggers Drawn for Greek Politicians Greece's lawmakers return from summer break on Monday to discuss a demand by Alexis Tsipras, the leader of the left-wing opposition, for a parliamentary probe into the activities of the National Intelligence Service, EYP. It stands accused of hacking into the phones of politicians and journalists. The scandal could topple the government. The conservative prime minister, Kyriakos Mitsotakis, will be pressed to explain why EYP, which he oversees personally, was eavesdropping on Nikos Androlakis, a member of the European Parliament, while he campaigned for the leadership of a small socialist party. Meanwhile, the European Parliament's spyware watchdog Pega wants Greece to investigate Intellexa, the Athens-based, Israeli-owned maker of Predator, a spyware system that was used in another unsuccessful attack on Mr. Androlakis's phone. Predator was also detected lurking in a Greek journalist's phone. Mr. Mitsotakis claims that he was unaware of EYP's surveillance of Mr. Androlakis and that Greece's government does not possess Predator. Africa's Many Health Problems This week, scores of officials, ministers, and other bigwigs descend on Lome, Togo's capital, for an annual World Health Organization conference about the state of health in Africa. The past two sessions had to be held virtually. This year, the four-day powwow includes a session on how countries have maintained essential health services while fighting COVID-19. Yet the pandemic is just one of many items on the agenda. The health ministers have a myriad of problems to consider, from sickle cell disease to tuberculosis. African countries have some of the highest rates in the world. Polio, non-communicable diseases, and mental health will also be in focus. Most of the continent's health ministries are short on resources and struggle with unenviable decisions about how to prioritize COVID-19 vaccinations relative to perennial needs, such as jabs against tetanus and measles. And with just 22% of Africans fully vaccinated against COVID-19, another wave could force priorities to change quickly. Zoom's Shrinking Earnings Today, Zoom, a video conferencing service, will report its second quarter results. The firm's popularity soared during the pandemic, but now it faces emboldened competitors such as Microsoft Teams. Another problem is that demand for Zoom's services is waning as more workers return to the office. 
its operating margins declined from 32% in last year's first quarter to 17% this year. Investors took heed. Zoom's share price has fallen by 46% since the start of the year, against a 17% decline across the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite Index. Yet remote work has survived. Some 58% of America's employees say they work from home at least some of the time. But firms that benefited during the pandemic's heyday are now suffering. Consider Peloton, which makes internet-connected exercise bikes, Netflix, a video streaming service, and DocuSign, an electronic signatures firm. Each of their share prices has fallen by more than 50% this year. The buzz around remote work stocks has all but worn off. Making Jet Fuel Green Air travel emissions are notorious and hard to do without. Batteries show promise for powering short-range flights, but decarbonizing longer journeys is much harder. The solution may be sustainable aviation fuel, a drop-in replacement for the conventional stuff. Innovators are working on various ways to produce SAF. Some use discarded cooking oil and animal fats. Others start with plant matter left over from forestry and agriculture. Still others turn carbon dioxide into carbon monoxide and then combine that with hydrogen to create hydrocarbons. Some are even trying to engineer single-celled algae to produce fuels directly. For now, SAF is about three times as costly as ordinary jet fuel. Even so, airlines have undertaken 450,000 flights with SAF in the fuselage. With the industry aiming to become carbon neutral by 2050, that number is set to soar. Someday, even the most environmentally finicky passenger may board aircraft with a clean conscience. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. What is the traditional title for an adult male Mormon who has taken the lowest office in the Melchizedek priesthood? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Henri Cartier-Bresson, who was born on this day in 1908. Sharpness is a bourgeois concept. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.